0: Welcome to episode number 34 of Oral Fix. I am Henry Diaz.
1: I am Drew Brown.
0: And we are your hosts of the Oral Fix podcast, which is a weekly social commentary podcast for the gay community. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Podomatic, SoundCloud, um, as well as on our website, www.oralfixpodcast.com. If you are a mobile user, um, and you have a tablet, iPad, or an iPhone, and would like to listen to us via an app, you can do so uh, by downloading stuff like Stitcher app or Pulse or Google Currents and use um, our feed address to also get our blog posts. Our feed address is feeds.feedburner.com backslash Oral Fix Podcast. So, uh this is a very special Valentine's edition of the Oral Fix Podcast. And um we attended a different beginning of the show for you all and on a sad note ever since we we all uh learned that Whitney Houston passed away this weekend, um we I Drew and I felt that we should pay some type of special tribute to her and just dedicate this podcast to her. And in her memory, uh, just because she touched our lives um, in an incredible way, and we just need, felt like we needed to talk about exactly, you know, how um, it impacted us, and and just to, you know, send share some good memories of her. Um, so I know for myself, I Henry, I I, I definitely grew up with um, Whitney Houston uh, in elementary school. Uh, our graduation song was the greatest love of all. And that's the song that really, I, I believe, um, put her up out there and made her a star. Um, I I don't know how many millions of copies and how many millions of dollars she made from that one song, but I know it was a lot. And, you know, I when I heard that she passed away, Drew, I, I didn't know that um, how much she meant to me, or oh, how much she was so a part of my psyche, And my, my, my being until now, like when I found out, I felt like a family member had passed away. Like I'm still grieving and I, I couldn't do anything but listen to the news and exactly because I needed to find out how did she die? Did she like, did she relapse or did somebody kill her? And I really was like wanting to blame Bobby Brown. And I had all these scenarios in my head going on. Like, who could have done that? And actually, somebody actually posted on my Facebook that, you know, uh, when I made a comment about her death, and I put up a picture of like an MMOR picture, um, somebody made a comment like, such a waste, dot, dot, dot. And I like... Oh, wow. That's harsh. That was harsh. And I said, you know, I don't think she she was a waste. Any human life is not a waste. I said... I said to them, you know, and I went off. And I mean, I wasn't really mean, but I went off. He was like, "I don't, I, I think you misunderstood what I said." And he kept on like putting his foot in his mouth. And you know, I wasn't going to argue because, you know, it's just not appropriate. So I said to them, "You're right. I did misunderstand." Such a statement like that can be like misconstrued.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think that's the problem. Is that you know, regardless of if you are still a fan to this day of Whitney's or whatever. I think the sad thing is that people forget how, how beautiful her voice was. Like, I mean, she was the voice and, and I think that with all her recent, you know, you know, relapses with drugs and her drug issues and her marriage with Bobby Brown, like that kind of, you know people don't understand how what of an impact that she had on you know pop music and 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 just her being the voice um and you know people just just all they remember is just her being you know addicted to drugs and her marriage you know her crazy marriage with Bobby Brown, but people forget that she was a true talent and regardless of you you know follows her career and was like a fan like she she didn't deserve no one, and like you said, a life is not shouldn't be a, considered a waste. You know, it's it's sad. Like addiction is is horrible, and you know, and it, it's sad that you know we're losing so many great people, and she happens to be one of them. And yes, I mean, I remember like singing "Greatest of Love of All" when I was, you know, I think everyone has sung "Greatest of Love of All" as a graduation song <laughs> at some point in their lives, um, but you know, I had to do it. And, you know, and of course, I mean, I, you know, there were times when I love Whitney and there were times when not so much, but at the same time, you know, she still like, she's a part of my childhood. Like I grew up listening to Whitney Houston. I grew up, you know, um, hearing her music and hear her sing. And and regardless if I was always a fan, I was running out to buy her albums you know, she brings those memories of like, oh, wow, my childhood or just kind of growing up and remembering where I was when I would see her videos yeah. <laughs> or or what have you. And so it's just kind of sad to see your kind of like childhood icons mm-hmm. or people who, you know, were around like really big, you know, when you were younger, now they're just kind of like falling, falling off. And it's it's really sad. And you want nothing but the best for them. And and you want them to I was I was shocked. Like I was in Canada and I was just like, I cannot believe it. And of course it's just the power of the internet. Uh, you know, we were Twittering, I mean I mean Facebooking back and forth. Um but it's like, Oh my god, it's Winnie Houston died? Winnie He what what's going on? Like I'm just seeing like it's it's just some, it's amazing how fast and that's how I found out Michael Jackson died too, was from Facebook. Um so it's just kind of you know, it's kinda of weird, but it's just it's it's really sad and I'm sad, you know, that she wasn't able to 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 live longer and to really come back. You know, she was working on a movie with, you know, American Idol star Jordan Spock, who so was doing a remake of uh nineteen seventies movie Sparkle. So she was producing it. So it seemed like she was getting herself together. She started to look a lot yeah. better. Um so it's just
0: she looked she, fantastic. She yeah. Like
1: and so it just looked like she was, you know, she was getting her her thing. And and I think it's the same thing with Amy Whitehouse too. It's like, you know, they said that she was starting to like, you know, come out of it. And then, you know, unfortunately then it's like tragedy happens. So it's, it's really sad. It's, it's really sad to that we don't have her voice, but I mean, I, I do think that Jennifer Hudson did a phenomenal job, even though she on, from the Grammys, um, even though you could tell she was fighting back the, the tears. But even at that moment, I think that was the moment that I realized that we really lost a great talent because I was like Jennifer Hudson can sing like nobody's business. Oh
0: my god.
1: But she was amazing. That, she was amazing, wasn't she? But at that moment I was like, she still not she still doesn't sound like Whitney. No. You know what I'm saying? Like I I still and my that was the first thing in my head was like and she did a great job and you could tell she was emotional and she was holding back fighting back tears and all that stuff. Yeah. And it was a really rushed job, you know, because, I mean, it happened on Saturday and then they put this together really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that moment was the realization it was just like no one could sing. Like when Whitney could opened up her mouth, mm-hmm. there was nobody like her. Mm-mm. So, you know, it's 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 really sad.
0: It is. It's, it is. No, and, and I keep hearing that over and over from my friends, from the news, that nobody... Is like Whitney. And, you know, that's the other part is that, you know, a true talent like that is a giving person. And you can hear that. You can see that. And she was just, you know, I don't know what her upbringing was like. And we probably won't ever find out. But, you know, for her to, like, fall to dark forces like that besides addiction, because addiction is really a disease. And, you know, you don't know until you're really in the thick of the disease that you have it. So, yeah. you know, for her to battle that and then fall under, you know, negative forces like I'm I'm sorry to say this, but Bobby Brown, <laughs> God save his soul, um I mean that I mean that, those, those are like tra- she must have had like some type of tragedy that she couldn't get over in the you know, in her early childhood that was embedded because for a star like that or, or or you know, to just fall under under the hands of people like Bobby Brown and then, like, producers that want to make, like, a reality show out of her, you know, godforsaken relationship with Bob- Bobby Brown? I mean, come on. But,
1: the, but actually, the, the reality show was, the the reality show was about, it wasn't about her. It was about him. And, <laughs> and she just kind of stole the show whenever she would go on because you couldn't understand that you were, you couldn't believe you were watching Whitney Houston be a crackhead. Like, you, it just was, it was it was like a train wreck because it was just like is this Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston is gangster like this? Like what is going on? Like I was, I was it was horrifying. You know, it's just like oh my god, I cannot believe this is Whitney Houston. Like this is how she acts, and <laughs> so you know, I mean, it's one of those things. Do you think were, it was a
0: show, or it was, it was just really that was really her the way she was acting in that?
1: No, I mean I don't. I I think that she was. I think that she at this point was just. She was a hot mess. You know. I mean. She and she came from. You know. She came from. You know. When she started out, she started out being this kind of like girl who, you know, sang in the church. Her aunt is Dionne Warwick. You know. Her mom. Her mom's a singer. You know. She. She didn't. She came up from like a middle class family, so it's not. It wasn't like she was. You know this kind of like American idol stardom being thrust upon you, you know, she kind of worked her way up and, and Clive Davis, you know, pick, you know, plucked her out and made her into a superstar. And so, as she worked really hard at it and she was, you know, all through the eighties and 90s like there was no one that could touch her. Every time she would sing, it was just like, Oh, Whitney, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So it's, it's really, it's really sad. And, you yeah. know, it's, I feel, I feel sad for her daughter, you know, because oh there's been, you know, reports about Bobby Christina, you know, starting to kind of pick up some really bad t- tendencies, you know, but mm. I don't know. I mean, it also, no one could ever know what it's like to have fame. And you know that because you're famous and you have all this money and you whatever, but you never know what they go through. And we think that they have it good, and we always think that oh, they, they they don't have problems because they have all this money. But obviously they do. And so we don't know what it's like to be famous and to have all this expectation and this pressure and all this stuff. So I, I don't, I I understand how addiction could come into play. Um, but, cause we, but we don't, we never, we would never ever understand what she was going through or how she was feeling because.
0: No. You know what I read this morning? That, um, the, uh this, uh, gay and lesbian, uh, newspaper out, uh, or actually website out in England, uh, pinknews.co, um, dot UK. They said that, um, and I'll link this on our show notes. That uh, she was her happiest and the best when she was in a lesbian relationship. Yes, and I I kind of heard the rumor. I remember like when she had like step by step out, and she was doing all those club hits, and the you know and the the queers like loved her. Um, The
2: gay
1: rumor has been around for a long time. Like she was she's been she was fighting that rumor for even a long a long time. What a really long time.
0: What do you think? I mean, do you think that was a rumor or?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if there, I mean, I don't, I always think that there's always some truth to some rumors, you Mm -hmm. know, but I have no idea. But do you remember, I don't, we actually met her. Well, I know I did.
0: You did, really?
1: Yes, we, when we were doing, when we were working for Citizens Committee, we had a big award show one year and everybody was there. Uh, Oscar, I met Oscar de la Renta, who was like the nicest man. Henry Kissinger, do do you remember this? Were you there?
0: Actually, no, this is like, I think that year that my sister was born and I had to stay home and I couldn't be around for those type of events.
1: Okay, so Whitney Houston was there and she, you know, I got to, she was supposed to come, I remember her walking past and she was like really tall, like super skinny and she was Trying to and and her publicist, the the person, or you know who, who was kind of like rumored to to be her her lesbian love was also there. Her name was Robin or something like that. And she was supposed to come back down and take a pictures with these kids. And these kids were like waiting and waiting, and she never came back down. So I thought that was kind of no. bad. But um, yeah. So I I but I did get to like say hi, you know. But I didn't want to be you know crazy. And I wasn't like, she wasn't like my Madonna or my Janet Jackson or others, you know. But I was just like, oh, you know, it's Whitney Houston, you know. So I, I was, yeah, I kept my cool. But um, she, I mean, she seemed really nice. And that was my only Whitney moment.
0: When I found out that she passed away, I was kind of like, I was circling with an um, argument I had the night before with my brothers. And, um, and the argument was all about like help and the way that they were trying to help me. And, and it just began to be like this real big power play and manipulation on their part. And, um, and I was just so angry that I said, forget it. You know, I said, forget it, forget it, forget it. And I hung up the phone and I rarely do that. Like, I don't like to go to bed angry. And, um, and the next day, you know, I'm talking with you via Facebook and we get the you know, that message and I was like, oh my God, it was like the last thing that I really needed to hear. And, um, and, you know, it just made me like the whole, this whole entire incident of her just this, this dying and, and just her life and how sad it became, um, towards the end. Um, it just made me realize that how, how much I need to, to really stay strong for myself and be true to myself and, not uh, and take care of myself. Uh, yeah. And who I'm with and who I surround myself with because it, that really matters a great deal. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to really live that sad life that she created, and I I need to keep aware of what type of story I'm creating in my life. I mean, everyone exactly, exactly. Yeah, like you know, if I pass away, what people are going to remember about me? You know.
1: Well, yeah, and and I, and I think that I and it's funny that you said it because I had that. Thing too is that like how you know you want to make sure that when you leave this world no matter how when that is that you kind of left your mark and and she definitely did leave her mark and i think that people need to remember her as whitney houston not whitney houston crazy drugs and all that kind of stuff because she you know she her well, talent was uh, her, her talent was you know it's undeniable and, and and I think that that's that. And I think it also makes you also think, too, like like what you were saying. Um, I mean, you know, I think that's part of the thing. is like, you know, you want to do something.
2: You,
1: you don't know how much time you have on this earth, and you want to make the most of it. And whatever it is that you can do in terms of, like, you know, whether it's doing this podcast or doing a blog post or doing something that is, that you feel like you're 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 putting yourself out there and you're doing some good in the world, or if it's just helping someone out or just being there for a friend, um, you know whatever it is, is that that those things matter, you know, because you, you, we take those we take those things for granted and we think that celebrities, because they have the money, that everything comes easy to them and it just wanted to, and sometimes we become like, Oh, I wish I was just famous because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to be struggling to pay bills or, you know, I wouldn't have a computer that makes a lot of noise or, you know, whatever. But, you know, at least, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when I, when I left Canada, you know, I was like, you know, I felt really happy that like I got to spend time with my family. And sometimes, yeah, I was like, Oh my God, I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I just want to sleep. But, at the end of the day, it's like we we take these things for granted. But those are the moments where you just have to have to be like, listen. I have family that I that I love and I care about, and that they love and care about me too. And so it just kind of puts a lot of things in perspective. It's sad that we have to think about these things when someone dies, um, but it, at least it, it should get us thinking that we should. Appreciate our lives and and be good to ourselves a lot more because if it can happen to them it can happen to you just as easily
0: yeah and i mean yeah it just makes you focus a lot more on what the you know what's really important what is really important at the end of it all absolutely so with that all you know we we honor her memory and her her passing and um i'm sure we'll we'll have a little bit more to talk about on our next podcast about her um because right now there's not a lot of details that are have been disclosed there's just rumors still i mean some people are saying that you know she it was a mixture of alcohol and xanax but they also found valium in her in her in her bag and stuff and and then there was like, yes, you know, there was another report that there was like, you know, a loud banging in her room that it had occurred right before, you know, her body was found. So who knows what really happened? So yeah. we won't be able to know till next week and we'll do a proper with music um, honoring of, the, uh, of her memory. So um, thank you everyone for listening. And we're going to introduce now our very special guest, uh, my friend Albert. Um, who's going to actually talk about how he met his um, 30-year-old love, uh, Michael, and and how that came about, which is a very interesting story and a very delightful one. So I hope you guys enjoy this special uh, Valentine's edition of The Oral Fix.
3: And here we are uh, with Albert and Drew. And uh, I've known Albert like for, uh, and his lover, Michael, for about a year now, and... Not until recently, Albert uh, shared with me um, how they met, and I thought it would be uh, interesting of a story to to have Albert um, and to give a, a, a singles out there who <laughs> are listening some hope, or and just to also rejoice and and just listen to what a you know what other gay couples are going through um, in terms of keeping a relationship. Uh, and I would like to um, welcome you Albert to the oral Fix podcast how are you doing
2: Fine, thanks and me I'm glad to be on <laughs> be very flattered to have been invited to uh, to give you this little interview
3: thank you thank you for um, f- for your willingness to do it and and I you know I can't remember some a lot of the details that that you had explained and I'm sure it'll come back to me but Soon enough, um, but I know that you and Albert, I mean you and um, Michael, have been together for a very long time now, like for 20 or 40 years, is it?
2: 32. We just had our anniversary um, in the beginning of January. 32 years. We celebrate from the night that we met, and that was January 4th of 1980.
1: Wow. So how, what's yeah, the... it's
2: probably longer than, Well, it's almost as long as Henry has been alive, and I don't know about you, Drew, but uh, it's longer than a lot of people have been alive. Yeah, and
1: I mean, in gay years, that's like, you know, I mean, that's off the charts to be together <laughs> yes. for 32 years.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, and we we finally did actually uh, get married now that it's legal in New York, but it's already Oh, that was... Uh, just last summer so that was an engagement period of over 31 years which is probably one of the longest on record.
1: (laughs) Wow so so was it was it love at first sight can you tell us a little bit about the the meeting like how did you how did you guys meet?
2: Well it was interesting Um, I had been out not not for that long and while I was seeing you know various people I was always hoping that I would meet the right guy and and settle down and um, it just never happened until this one night Um, I was living back home after I had lived abroad and lived in Boston for a while I moved back in with my parents in New Jersey and um, I was living there and working and um, also studying jazz piano at the time and my lessons were in New York City and on that particular um, January 4th, uh, I had my lesson in the evening, I, I forget whether it was 8 or 9 o'clock, and a snowstorm was predicted. So um, I don't like to drive in the snow, but it hadn't started yet, so I figured when I got out of, um, of, of my piano lesson, I would go to this gay bar, which uh, I had been to Several times before, called Uncle Charlie's North, and uh, I figured I'll just go in and I'll have one beer and then leave so that I'm I get home before the snow starts. And when I got there, <clears throat> I went in and I looked the uh, all the it was a Friday night, uh, all the seats at the bar were taken, and Michael was seated there and he had on dark glasses and. Uh, he turned when I came in and, and looked at me when I came in the door, and I thought to myself, of all the people seated at this bar, this is the one who looks like he has something to say. <laughs> so I went over and, and stood by myself, and I didn't have any money, so I used to nurse, like, two beers for the <laughs>
1: whole
2: night. And um, Michael looked over several times and finally uh, came over. We struck up a, a conversation and um that was it i thought he was you know really fascinating but and i revealed to him that what i was really hoping was to meet somebody and and settle down and he said to me he said oh no nothing is further from my mind he said i'm i was just in a relationship that i got out of for <laughs> and i was in this relationship for over 2 years and i finally got out of it so i don't want any part of settling down Was a relationship with um one of the women that he worked with. Anyway, mm.
1: um, <laughs> oh, that's a little scandalous.
3: <laughs>
2: so, anyway, you are about to
3: become but, the other woman, Albert.
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. So anyway, uh, we did uh, spend most of the most of the night and. When I, when I left, I left him with my phone number and everything. And uh, since he had said he had wanted no part of settling down, I didn't expect to hear from him anymore. So on Sunday evening when I came home, my mother said, oh, well, Michael called. Well, at the time, I wasn't dating these other two guys, but I, I was going out with, like as friends, with two other Michaels. So since oh. Michael said he didn't want to settle down at all, I called the other two first and said, were you the one who called? And Then by a process of elimination, Michael was the third one. I called back and he invited me over for dinner and that was it. It wasn't long before I realized, like, if this relationship doesn't continue, I'm going to be Devastated. Oh
1: <laughs> wow!
2: Yes, and this... um, it did continue, and you know until the present day. So, <laughs> funny. Wow. Another funny thing about that uh, that bar, Uncle Charlie's North. <clears throat> when we were together for five years, on the fifth anniversary, we decided we would arrive separately and go to the same bar, and we had the same clothes that we wore that first night. Oh, that's sweet. We each, put, we each put on those clothes and arrived separately at the bar, and <laughs> Uncle and did a little
1: reenactment.
2: Yes, a little reenactment, except for the fact that Uncle Charlie's had turned into a hairdressing salon and was <gasps> not there anymore. Oh, and so we, we were both standing out on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the fifth anniversary, and the rest that's, is history. <laughs> that's
1: funny. So so you've been together for 32 years. What, what has been the, the secret to your success?
2: Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting when you hear people, whether they're gay or straight, who say that they've worked at their relationship and that they're together because either they've overlooked these faults in their partner or they've gotten used to it or whatever like that. Michael and I have never worked at our relationship. It was, I I had a good time with him. He was fun. I found him to be interesting and have a good sense of humor. The first night I met him, and I still think that. And we've never had to work at it. I hate to say that, you know, because so many other people think, you know, that it's difficult to have a relationship. The only thing I can say with Valentine's Day coming up is um, if you're looking for a relationship, it very often turns up when you least expect it. I expected to have a glass of beer that night and and go home alone, probably, and it didn't turn out that way. You know, that... never give up.
3: That is something that I always hear um, very often, and strangely enough, it, it always that saying that love is you know or a relationship is actually something you don't go out and look for it, it usually just shows up when you least expect it right that is something yeah. that i i've always heard over and over again and especially when i i really need to hear that
1: yeah and
2: yeah Was I it, think that it? go ahead oh no go ahead I, well I just think that you know maybe for me because um, I did go out with quite a few guys before and it was always with that intention in mind like I hope I meet the right one and I think you know maybe people feel that sort of anxiety or whatever whereas the night that I met Michael I didn't think that was going to happen and so there was no pressure on it, and especially since he told me right up front, that he wasn't interested, then, you know, then maybe I relaxed more or whatever.
1: It yeah. It just worked out. Was there ever any, since he wasn't looking for a relationship right uh, immediately at, up front, as you said, was there ever, you know, any time along the way where he had, like, doubts or you had to kind of, like, convince him to kind of, you know, or was just in, or he just kind of snapped out of that and just was game?
2: Well, if he tells the story, he tells me, he says that, you know, right away, that first night, even though he didn't say it, that he, he felt like I was the one for him, but oh, I was okay. the one who had doubts, because I always thought, well, <laughs> this guy told you, you know, he doesn't want to get involved, and he just yeah. came out of a relationship with uh, a woman that went on for a long time, so it's, I expected it. Those are a lot time, of red flags. Yeah, I expected that you know any time during those first few months <laughs> that he was going to say to me, you know, it's nice, but I'm I'm going back to dating women, <laughs> and I, I I was the one with the doubts. But it it, it took um, it wasn't long before I I started thinking to myself, if this doesn't continue, I'm going to be heartbroken.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: because, no.
1: And, and you mentioned that you you just got you you guys just got married. Did you ever? I mean, back in 1980, what 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 year
2: was it again? Uh, 1980. Mm-hmm. 1980.
1: Did you ever think that you would be able to get married to a man in New York City?
2: No, I didn't, and I didn't think it even. When was it? It was July or something that they passed the law. Whenever it was, until that night. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think it. It, it. Somebody called me up. You know, I wasn't gonna. I didn't tune into the TV and watch them count the votes and all that. Somebody called me up at around 11 o'clock or whatever, whatever time it was, and, and just said, "Well, they just passed it. They passed it." So Michael and I just looked at each other and said, "Well, should we do it?" <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay.
2: And we did. It took us a while to get the the, uh, the license however, because I couldn't find my um, birth certificate. So the state of New Jersey said it can take five, I forget how many, 25 business days or something like that, so that's five weeks. So we planned the wedding for six weeks from then. Actually, the state of New Jersey came through before that, but it took us a while to get a caterer and ask a few people. We just had basically family, but it was nice, except. That was the weekend of Hurricane Irene. We were intending to have the wedding in the backyard, around the pool, and we thought that would be very nice, but... um
1: Irene had other ideas. <laughs> oh, that Irene. So, I mean, there was always a woman around, you know. <laughs> there was a woman at the start of your relationship, and now there was a woman when you guys were getting married. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's an omen, I don't know. It was an omen, exactly.
3: I remember when I first heard this story from you, I I, I, I hope you, you guys didn't take it the wrong way, and I'm sure you, you didn't, but... Um, just in case if you did I you know I would never have said yes to to Michael or even pursued him um, if I today if I had heard you know that and I met him in a bar and I, and he told me he just got out of a relationship especially with a woman to me in my head was like okay this guy's a newbie he's coming out of the closet he's here at you know especially Uncle Charlie's, <laughs> because back right. then that was like the watering hole of the gay Mecca in New York City for a while, aside right. from the monster. Um, I, I would have never given the, the day or time. And, you know, I, I went out with a bisexual um, for about three years. And he will always bring up some girl that he had banged, you know, the week before oh, or, or whatever just to either to get my reaction or or, or just to talk about her or whatever you know thinking that I was a dude and I and I would get I would, that would make me cringe I mean I would not want to be this playing the part of this second you know quote-unquote woman or I, relationship well I, if
2: I had heard the whole story in the beginning I might not even either, either but when we struck up the conversation we, had to, we were laughing the whole time and, you know, we were just having fun. And it wasn't until later in the evening that he, he mentioned about the, the relationship with the woman, which, by the way, was over for about two months before I met him. And I forgot to tell this part of the story. Um, that was that January 4th was his first night in the gay bar. so I took him out of circulation. Immediately.
1: Immediately. <laughs> wow.
2: One night. <laughs> One night. And you
1: plucked them out. I plucked them out. Oh yeah.
3: my god.
1: Wow. Yeah. That I think, I, I think that's. I think that's. I think you're on to something. Maybe that's what you got to do. You got to get them before they're damaged. <laughs> you got to look at. So now I'm going to start looking at the ones who look like they just. Who they just? This is their that's first sweet. night at the bar or something like that? They don't right. seem as bitter and dead. Damage some of the old, some of the other queens when I when I go out.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think you should, you're you. onto something, Albert. I think you should, uh, I think you should, uh, uh, bottle that or write about that. And maybe <laughs> you could sell millions of books.
2: <laughs> uh, maybe I should. <laughs> so, so there were. They, go ahead. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So there weren't any like. Uh, Nights where you cried yourself to sleep <laughs> because you were thinking... No, that.
2: I didn't need to because, you know, after he invited me over for that next Tuesday, at the time we couldn't see each other that much because I was working as a church organist, so I had to be home at a reasonable hour on Saturday night to get up and play all Sunday morning. And he, and he, he was working uh, full-time at Book of the Month Club, and uh, getting uh, his second master's at night so that was two nights a week of classes plus then on the intervening nights he had a lot of homework those master's students for uh, business administration meet outside of class they have to form little groups and have meetings and so I could only see him a couple of nights a week for the first couple of months and then he didn't like that so much that we were not spending more time together so he he dropped getting his second masters
3: Wow. all for love
2: <laughs> And my, all for love. my car died so i gave up the church job so then we could spend all our time together
3: <laughs> <Aww. laughs>
2: oh wow, that's that's so sweet that's so sweet yeah so
1: what are you guys doing for what are you guys doing uh valentine's day is right around the corner what do you
2: Oh, we'll probably just have a quiet dinner at home. Uh, When I was in the city, uh, uh, Michael had a business meeting, so I went into Manhattan with him. You can't find any decent sort of gay-oriented cards here, but there are a few shops in Manhattan, and so I went with him last week, and I I did pick up a few Valentine's Day cards, and uh, we'll just exchange cards and have a nice dinner
1: okay and so and what do you think how do you keep it fresh for 32 years i mean after a while it's like you know it's you've been together for a long time (laughs) so how do you keep it fresh like how do you still keep the love flowing for for all these years
2: like i said we we don't do anything it just it just happens i mean neither of us is tired of the other and we don't have to do anything but just be ourselves i think that's the key you you can't you can't try to be someone else or or be something else you just have to be yourself and either you like each other or you don't and it yeah. out that we just i mean it's just and the other thing is i just think it's the greatest stroke of luck um, if you meet somebody whom you love and who loves you that's that's just a piece of luck i could have gone home that night i might have said oh there's a snowstorm coming, I'm I'm going home right after this piano lesson, and I would not have met Michael.
1: Yeah. There's also the thing, is like sometimes, you know, there is the, you know, you can, both people can love each other, but if that person doesn't love themselves, it can cause all kinds of problems. Because this, I mean, this story as sweet as as it is, could have went in so many different different directions. It could have been, like, you know, the thoughts of, like, you know, maybe he's going to leave me for another woman, or he was doing this or he wasn't feeling comfortable there there was so many like usually yeah. there's so many exactly There's so many different variables usually it's never this easy and like that's when you know i guess you know Albert you're really onto something um <laughs> but usually yeah,
2: like i but, said that's just a matter of that's just a matter of luck and i respect people who who i know <laughs> i have friends who have said you know like well we had to rough work through this rough patch or get through this period of our lives or whatever and, and they've stuck it out and, and then they're happy, you know. Which is yeah. fine. It just it never didn't happen to me that way. It just I was happy in the beginning and I'm still happy. <laughs>
1: wow. Well that's that's great. Well I'm I'm glad that you were able to share your story. It still gives us, you know, hope. <laughs> That's not to stress, and hopefully we can we can pluck someone out. <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> well, the well,
2: only thing like... I can say is for, for that the only piece of advice is you know don't sit at home meet meet people and <laughs> like I said I had I had quite a dating history before always hoping to meet someone who would settle down and a lot of my friends knew that that I had been out with any number of guys prior to that and one of the first places i in fact i think it was the first place we were invited to a, um a belated holiday party because of the snowstorm which turned out to be quite severe i was supposed to go to a holiday party on the fifth of january and it was postponed until the end of the month and i took michael and <laughs> one of the gay guys there said i know your your, your dating history so when you're huh. done with this one, I want his phone number.
3: Oh, <laughs> <no>. oh, oh, drama!
1: <laughs> well, it's decent <laughs> to know that you know, caddy, that the, the caddiness, you know, still existed <laughs> in the '80s too.
2: <laughs> oh God, I think it was worse. I don't know what it's like today because I've been out of circulation so long, but. Uh, <laughs> I think it was very catty. And I don't think people were looking to settle down in those days because, uh, well, it was really in 1980, people were still dating like crazy and spending one-night stands and everything. They weren't worried about AIDS. That, That was just, like, something you hardly heard of at the time. People were doing drugs and going to clubs and stuff like that. And I think that was also an environment that uh, didn't lend itself to settling down. Mm. Um,
3: yeah, that's that's something else to consider as environments um, and, and how much they, they play in interpreting to actually making relationships happen. We, were, we interviewed um, a, a director and a couple of actors of this uh, new queer uh, gay series on, on the internet called Gossip Boy, and the creator... Um, Actually, was talking with us and how his the concept behind this Gossip Boy um, and the story um, he wanted to convey through the story was how there is a, a generational gap uh, between the young people and the older people that up today that it's that it's missing and that was around back uh, in those times of the '80s and the '70s where um, the young people and the older ones uh, actually. Uh, communicated where there was there was actually a you know um, some type of learning happening through socialization um, besides sex and drugs and um, even though that it, you know sex and drugs uh, and alcohol whatever did exist back then, I, I don't think it was as prevalent and a, a disruptor in the community as it is today because it seems that uh, today and at least today's youth, gay youth, all they have is what they're whatever they see on TV and when they go out into the streets, you know, there's not many community programs or or places of socialization that are that where they could be themselves and be with adults or meet adults for more than just sex and a beer or drugs or whatever, because those little small institutions of bars are still around and they're still and more than ever, I think today, from what I see, whenever I go out, I don't know about you, Drew. You, you probably go out a lot more frequently than I do, because I live up here in the sticks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, you know, it's it's still the same, but I think even worse. Like it's m- even more watered down. That it's not actually creating some type of um, symbiosis or harmonic air place where you know, a place of harmony where people can really actually meet quality people or at least have a quality time in order to build a, you know, a, a somewhat, you know, relationship?
2: A lot of it does depend on, I think, where you live. Um, and we're, um, I'm up here near you, Henry, and I don't know what I would do if I were single. I'd have to go into Manhattan to, to meet anybody because there are very few people up here, very few gay people. Just as an example of that, when we went down to apply for the um, marriage license, I asked the woman, <laughs> the clerk there, I said, well, has anyone else been in to apply? Only about three or four couples in all of Warwick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so uh, that, that wasn't very, that's, that's not very many. And there there's no gay bar here, as you know. Right. So uh, I don't know what people would do. When, when, when I was uh, dating people and, and meeting people, I lived in cities. I lived in, you know, within driving distance of Manhattan. Uh, plus, in the, even in suburbs in New Jersey, there was a very active gay bar, which is still there, called Feathers in New Jersey, and I, I used to hang out there. And prior to that, um, when I first came out, I was living in Boston, and that had a very active bar scene. But, I, I mean, there was lots of people that you could meet at the time.
3: Yeah, I, I, I know that in the Hudson Valley, um, there there are, like, little activity groups that kind of survived the 90s into the 2000s. I don't know if they're still strong. I don't think they are as they were back in the 90s. But, you know, especially in Nyack, uh, which is just an hour away from the city, uh the queers up here, they you know, they strive to keep some sense of community, um, but you know, there're rough patches here and there. It's not right. like you know a mecca like it is down in the city, and it's a shame because in the city there's so much to do, especially yeah. if you just don't want to be stuck in the circuit of you know the nightlife.
2: Right? No, you don't have to. You don't have to go clubbing and, and to bars. There, there are other things to do, uh, much more so than than up here, I think.
3: Yeah, there's the Gay and Lesbian Center on right. 13th and uh, between Greenwich and Seventh,
2: mm-hmm. yes. which
3: now more than ever, there's more tons of activities and things happening there, and uh, I, I'm sh- and and there's more places like Audrey Lord um, that are, that's opened up in in um, in your area actually, Drew, the Colin yeah. Lord Project um, that are really trying to promote like. You know, communities like other, you know, bars are great. You know, I anybody who's listening, don't get me wrong. Bars and clubs. I used to be, you know, somewhat of a club kid growing up. (laughs) If I start revealing my dark closet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could be here all night.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's I. You know, I, I I was stuck in that 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 circuit, that club mentality, where like I was doing those one night stands, and the people, you know, it just wasn't fulfilling. Like community, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, other activities besides, you know, going to the clubs and the bars or whatever, it's something that's missing. And if you don't have it out there, you people that are listening, I suggest you try it. You know, find an interest.
1: Right. Well, Albert, you give us. You, I hope that you, you know you've given us a lot of hope, and and thank you for sharing your story because it's it's very sweet. it's a very sweet story.
2: Well, thank you for asking me, and all I can say is uh, good luck to everyone and have a happy Valentine's Day.
1: <laughs> Great,
3: thank you, Albert. Yes, and Albert, for the record, um, your, you know, your your relationship was lasted for thirty two years. How old are you and Michael right now?
2: Uh, well, funny that you should ask. I'm 63, and uh, this month, in just uh, three weeks, Michael will be 60, the big 60- oh. 60. <laughs> 60 and
3: 63, wow. So you guys, yeah, you guys met, uh, like, in your uh, 30s, right?
2: Well, I was 31, and um, he was um, just, it was just before his 28th birthday.
3: Wow, look at that. Uh uh-huh. Well, thank you very much, and happy Valentine's Day to you as well. I don't know if you eat chocolates, but I love dark chocolate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do, too. I eat a piece every day, Um, mostly because I read an article that said if you had uh, a piece of dark chocolate, it, it only needs to be like one square and a glass of red wine every day then um, it reduces your chance of having a heart attack or a stroke by 40%. Mm. So I don't take the glass of wine, but I do take the chocolate, and that's an easy cure. It's less, <laughs> less painful than some other uh, health issues. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, And also give our, give our best to Michael as well. I will. Okay, thank you for interviewing me. It was fun. eyes featuring mindy Glithill and that was cascade hope you enjoyed that track and now we're going into our next segment which has been kind of we haven't really not thrown anything back into the closet for some time now um <laughs> so we are now going into our next segment and this is called back into closet and this is where henry and i um Things, it could be a person, place, or thing, or whatever we find within our community, um, or sometimes it doesn't have to necessarily be in our community, but that's a whole other topic. Um, that we just find that this needs to go back into the closet and throw away the key. And sometimes, like Madonna, um, we let them out depending on if they <laughs> are, you know, and or <laughs> if, they, if they are, you know, behaving well so we'll which madonna
3: has lately and now we yes. have to let her out of the closet
1: so yeah <laughs> we we you know we liked her we loved her super bowl oh speaking of we didn't talk about the super bowl performance um you know which i thought did you see it
3: i saw it and it was amazing
1: yeah, it was amazing. I mean, there were a time. There was like one time when I thought that she was going to bust her ass. I mean,
3: <laughs> no, Actually, there were, like... actually, were two times that I thought she was going to bust her ass. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then my brother also made a comment that, like, you know, she doesn't have the same kind of, like, snap that she used to have. No. And, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, she is 50-something. And, and I I felt that way, too. And her video, the Give Me All Your Love and video, when she's like walking down the street. Mm-hmm. She's walking kind of funny. I'm like, Why are you yeah. walking like that, Madonna? Um is like something like... wrong
3: with her hip.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, girl, do you need a hip replacement? Um but <laughs> All in all, you know, she gave her a fantastic show and, you know, M.I.A., even though you know, she's getting into trouble with, you know, flipping off, um, flipping off the camera um, and Nicki Minaj. I thought she was great. The opening scene, you know, to Vogue was amazing and it was just so gay, like, you know, with the, the guys, her dancers, you know, walking around during runway, like it was it was really a spectacle. And, you know. You can't love or hate Madonna. You just can't deny the fact that she is a true icon. She knows how to she knows how to give a good show.
3: I'm I'm just so glad that that song "Give Me All Your Love" wasn't like razor blades in my ears. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it it basically like that, sounds... the, like the leak song, the leak song that we featured in our blog posts and that we threw her in on episode twenty three four. I mean, that's, I'm so glad that it didn't sound like that because it sounded fresh, it sounded funky, it sounded like, you know, Beautiful Stranger, which I love. Even though she went back a little bit and she, and her song talked about, you know, how her stuff is dated, you know, she's still, you know, whatever the shit. It was was a good enough song that, you know, the the, the video itself was... Target very target commercial like to me, but you know, cinematically, makeup and everything, she looked flawless. Mia looked luscious. Uh, you know, Nicki Minaj is always looking good, so she looked fabulous.
1: Yeah, I mean, the video definitely made me like the song a lot more. I mean, because I mean, the demo sounds pretty much the same as a single it just didn't have Nicki Minaj or M.I.A. on it and there's that little break where it gets kind of slow a little bit the demo didn't have that but it's pretty much the same but you know this the song itself you know the video really did help me at least like oh okay I can kind of oh Madonna's back you know
3: yeah exactly
1: so even though she's
3: walking funny
1: even though she's walking funny, maybe she's but... walking
3: like that because like something like she ran into something in the closet when we threw her in there.
1: I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like but something
3: maybe... fell on her.
1: <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she slipped on a flesh jack. <laughs> she slipped on a flesh jack. <laughs> um. But um, yeah, but you know, I mean, besides the fact that she almost you know bust her butt you know <laughs> a few times on the Super Bowl stage and she wasn't singing at all. I think um, you
3: know besides the fact that she got up on the bleachers and she you know took that step backwards, which was totally natural, and then looked like she was gonna I mean, she, was f- she was gonna in, fall over.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was also in like you know six inch heels. You know, like I mean, it's kind of you know, you can't really falter too much. I mean, she was wearing these, like, you know, hookah boots. You know? Yeah, but
3: if you're wearing hookah boots and you're going to have to do some stunts on bleachers, that's not smart. At least make this, the the bleachers wide enough for you to, like, get on them and not, like, fall backwards or something.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, the dancers were great. Everyone, the whole performance itself was great. But, I thought
3: it was really funny also when she was trying to do that flip with um, uh, uh, that group LM... F O F A O,
1: L M F A O, yeah. Yeah,
3: they, <laughs> she, she, they, you know, they held her, le- her leg, and she was trying to do that break dancing move where, like, yeah. you, you flip around, like you do like a twirl, and she couldn't do it. <laughs> it was, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, you, you and, need some help. Do you want me to help you?
1: <laughs> yeah, girl, take a take a hot bath, Madonna. but. You know, you're out of the closet and, you know, <laughs> I and her, you know, her song, her album, you know, which is available for, you know, um, you can pre-order it on iTunes. It's, like, number one in, like, uh, 50 countries, you know, it's, and the song is doing really well, so, I did mean... Did you
3: listen or preview the rest of the album? I,
1: you know, I heard one of the songs, it's, like, Girls Gone Wild, and I did not like it. And... Yeah, I was just like, oh, Madonna, this song is really bad. Um, I don't... I mean, I thought it was going to be... You know, she's working with William Orbit, you know, who... You know, she did, like, Ray of Light and... But, you know, I think... And Ray of Light was a great album. Um, it was but, a
3: fantastic album. It was one of her best.
1: But, you know, it's like... If you're going to come back and you're going to do this kind of, like, dancey kind of thing, you know, I mean, you have... You have to compete with confessions. With confessions was amazing, um, and then you know, and if you're working with like, I, I understand that you don't want your album to sound like anyone out there, and to do that, like that's what she said,
3: right?
1: You know, but it was just just some of the songs, like some of the lyrics, and I, I just guess for me, like I'm I'm a person that pay attention to the lyrics. It's not just about the beat, and some of the lyrics, it just sounds so juvenile, and it just sounds so, like, like like we mentioned when we threw her in back in the closet, it's like, you're a woman of age, you, you look fabulous, but this, this way the songs, they, they sound really like you're trying too hard, or they just sound beneath what she can do, like, they don't sound so like, it doesn't sound like Madonna, so I don't know, but maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe after a close listen, it will be good, but at <laughs> it's right almost—it's now-
3: like, almost like Amanda Lepore trying to like sing about being a woman, but she's not really a woman.
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. But, you know, I mean, when you think about... Sorry,
3: Amanda Lepore, but...
1: I mean, Madonna has so many great hits that, you know, you can still play to this day. Like, you can still play Holiday right now at any club and people are still going to listen to it. It still sounds current. It still sounds fresh. Um, And it's, you know, it's a very kind of simple song, but, you know, it's still... It's... It still has like a feeling to it and these songs sound I don't know. It's like it's twenty eleven in Madonna. Like get it together.
3: So 2012. I twenty
1: twelve. Twenty twelve. God, what type of
3: medication are you taking for? <laughs> I don't know.
1: But she <laughs> put the album in twenty eleven, so you know.
3: Anyway, let's get back into the throwing stuff into the closet. So
1: we're gonna throw back something back into the closet. And um do you wanna do your thing first because you've been
0: okay i
3: it's it's so like i already blogged about it i already ranted about it i i think i've gotten it out of my system but i think this will be like the final nail like to the coffin in in the closet for cynthia nixon she is my item person to throw back into the closet Because she doesn't know or she doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that she's a bisexual because to her, she believes it's a choice. Um, People who are listening and or have been following our blog, you know that I had this whole big oral lash for um, which is the um, tagline for anything that I or Jew, you know, have to rant about something in our community we we use we gave her i gave her oral lashing on our blog for the irresponsibility that she demonstrated um one in front of an audience of uh, a gay college students and second because she aired it in a new york times article Um, Like, what the fuck were you thinking, Cynthia Nixon, that nobody was going to read it? (laughs) Um, She said, you know, in front of this college audience that were gay and lesbians and probably questioning as well, you know, for me, being gay is a choice. I know it isn't for other people out there, but for me... It's a choice, and I think that um, being gay is a choice. Now, right there is a double-edged sword. You don't tell a group of queers, and then the New York Times, for more queers or closeted queers to say, oh, I should just start saying it's a choice. And when I say, you know, this is my partner, my lifetime partner, publicly... I'll just tell them no. I'm not gay. I'm not bisexual. I'm not anything. I'm just, you know, this is just a choice for me. And I'm just like, you know, I'm liking the other sex. Oh, you wait. You wanna brainwash me? Yeah, go right ahead. You wanna fuck me up the ass? Yeah, go <laughs> right ahead. Oh wait, wait, wait. You wanna sue me because I have kids and you think I don't have? I I don't have the right to have kids or to wed. Um, and you wanna what? You, you wanna bring me to court? Uh, me who i don't have any money and i'm just barely like coming to no you don't say stupid shit like that to the public and think you're going to get away with that especially yeah. when you're when you're fighting for you know marriage equality you're you're taking three steps backwards bitch what the fuck
1: Okay, calm down. <laughs>
3: and then she goes on to like, you know, she apologizes in some other interview later on. And then she says that in that article, which just is just really built, you know. I mean she says that you know, I, I know what I said was was not responsible or something like that and you know, I'm sorry, but you know and and then the guy asks her, you know, so why don't you just say you're bisexual? She says I don't say I'm bisexual because nobody likes and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with her? She's really like loony, like.
1: Well, I mean, clearly she. I mean, I think you know. I mean, my problem is that, like, yes, maybe it was a choice for her because she was, you know, for all we knew was heterosexual, um, but maybe it was a choice for her. But like, you know, we as a community have been fighting. You know, the rest of society and who think that oh it's gay being gay, the choice being gay, the choice, and telling them no, it's not a choice. Why would anyone want to choose to be, you know, abandoned by their family or to be ostracized or to be bullied or any of that? Like no one would want to choose that. And so for her to you know to say that publicly, and it's just its just it's just the wrong move. Like it's just not it's just not smart. At all?
3: Yeah, and she's only been a a lesbian for a hot minute.
1: (laughs) No, no, she's been she's only been a hot minute for a hot minute. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) you know, and it's just it's not cute. It's not cute, and it's not it's not it's not um, you know you just especially when you are a public figure, you need to be mindful of like the things that you say because you can really easily put your your foot in your mouth. Yep. Um, And you know, it's just. And there are a lot of people who, you know, who still believe, you know, there are a lot of people who believe that being gay is a choice and you're just giving them, you know, some, you know, ammunition to, to be able to like, oh, OK, yeah, I see it's a, it is a choice, you know.
3: Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a choice. I, I can exercise them. I could cure them. I, I can, exactly. you know, we can cure them with, with electroshock therapy. You know? Exactly,
1: and especially with all you know, the string of you know horrible you know suicides you know that we have you know from you know teenagers killing themselves and all this stuff like we we have to we have to stop.
3: It it, it, it clearly does, and I mean she can afford to say something like that because even though you know she might get negative feedback from everywhere, she'll get tons of supporters who are on the anti-gay agenda for some, you know, if she wants to play the double spy, you know, the hidden freakish bisexual who's going to play both fields just to save her life and her families. Or, you know, the other thing is that she's rich, you know, she can actually legally, like, you know, she could actually bring things to court and win if she wanted to, or, you know, fight people off. Where the majority of the gays, which is a very small population to begin with, don't they don't have it good as she does? She needs to like you know go into the closet and realize this and come out and do something publicly in order to compensate for it. You know, like give money to some foundation or start a foundation to legally you know help queers who are are being condemned on a court legal level because it'd be a major faux pas. You know, that's it. I don't have nothing else to say
1: okay well on that note I did have something to throw back into the closet but I'm actually going to save it for our W2F sec- segment um, so I don't have anything to throw back into the closet and since we talked about Madonna coming out of the closet um, that is my contribution <laughs> okay so we're
3: going to go off to a break and we'll be right back Welcome back. That was Careless Whisper, the Polish Ambassador Remix. And the voice that you heard, yes, it was the George Michael. Um, This song is free for download, as well as our other songs that we have featured uh, on our podcast this week and any other week. You can uh, get the links on our show notes at www.oralfixpodcast.com. We have come to the end of the our podcast and the week, and we we are sad about that, as we usually are in every week. <laughs> <laughs> we we hope that you enjoyed um, this week's podcast and um, and uh, and our you know our rantings and thank you for your support every week. Um, we hope that you have a a good week this week and a good Valentine's, um, week and that, you know, if you're not, if you're single out there, um, and you know, you're looking for love, I I hope that, you know, you learned something or found some inspiration in Albert's story and in our stories and, um, or if you have like a Valentine's that you, day story that you want to share with us. Um, It's never too late to send in your story either by by mail or uh, on the phone. You could do it anonymously. Uh Um, You could do it any way you want and disclose as much information as you want um, because we're explicit like that. Um, And uh, you can give us that feedback uh, by email at oralfixpodcast at gmail.com or you can call it in at 646-504-3491. Or uh, you can record it, you know, and send it via a file and um, and you know as an MP3 or, or a WAVE format. Uh, what else? You can follow us on our blog, our website www.oralfixpodcast.com Uh, dot com Uh, you can follow us on twitter at Podcast, and you can listen to us and follow us on facebook Uh, that's facebook.com backslash the oral Podcast. you can also um, listen to us on soundcloud and google plus you can find us on google plus um what else that's about it so um drew any goodbyes from you
1: no i hope everyone have a great valentine's day and hope that you were inspired by albert thank albert your your friend um for telling his very sweet story and hope everyone have you know a great week and valentine's day and till then ta-ta from to- Toronto. next week uh, the next time you'll be hearing me i will be in new york today
3: oh and i'll be in the hamptons
1: <laughs> oh wow. yeah
3: i'm going to house it again in the hamptons okay hope everyone eats lots of chocolates <laughs>
1: yes get your chocolates fix so right. oh so on uh, so on that note so we're going to um leave you with some music this is rihanna you the one, the majesty, majesty remix. Enjoy, folks.
3: It's you the one.
1: You the one. That's, that's, that's not what I said. <laughs> Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Baby, meant to be. You got me
2: smiling all the time. Bye. You know how to give me that. You know how to pull me back when I go running, running, trying to get away from nothing. You know how to get away from